0: for something a new way a new understanding a connection some comfort
1: you've got questions and light on living puts the spotlight on all the answers so you can shine lift and lighten the load of life's challenges and learn simple and easy ways to live a healthy happy life you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you you're invited to hear new see different
0: and feel more As Lisa shines the light on living.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to Light on Living. I'm Light Coach Lisa, holistic nutritionist and life coach, helping to lighten the load of life's challenges. Today, for the first time, we shine the spotlight on wealth, about money, about investing, and how to manage those assets what should be in a strong, sustainable, and protected portfolio and why? It was an interesting choice for me to choose to talk about money today and the special guest that we have because money is sometimes a tricky thing to talk about. Money can be so very personal because a lot of us relate it to our value. And what if we make the wrong decision? And what if we already have made a wrong decision in the past? And how do we feel comfortable and safe moving forward to continue making wise decisions with our money? And the trickiest of them all, where the heck do we invest? So I'm so happy to have Will Roadhouse with us today, CEO and founder of Compass Group International, who provides offshore asset management portfolio services for high net worth clients seeking a better return and asset protection in emerging countries like Asia and Latin America. Welcome, Will.
2: Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me on the show.
1: Not a problem. I'm so excited. I'm already motivated and and just excited to share with people your special secrets and all about Plan Z. So as we're jumping into this, we are definitely going to be talking about international real estate and why it's very – it's important and it's helpful to have that in our portfolio. But I'd love for you to share a little bit with our listeners who you are and why this is important to you and why you've been so motivated to do this.
2: Sure. Uh, before I just want to let you know, I'm, uh, I have a little bit of a cold, uh, so I oh. maybe sound a little stuffy and, and not as energetic as I usually am. So uh, <laughs> oh, excuse me for that.
1: Not a problem. <laughs> We're sending you healthy wishes.
2: Thank you. Uh, but uh, my story is very interesting. Uh, I actually started, uh, I've only had one job in my life, uh, which was working for a major financial institution in the United States, actually one of the largest institutions in the United States. Uh, so I worked there during college and eventually just climbed through the ranks. And there at that final institution, uh, I finally got to where I want to be, which was in business banking. And I took advice from my father um, a long time ago during high school. And my dad always knew that I would be an entrepreneur. And he said, the best way to become rich is to make sure you're around rich people and you're learning from them from what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And the only way to do that is is working at a bank. So when I went to, finally got to business banking, my job, uh, was to basically provide financial services to multimillionaires, people that own businesses, uh, medium and large size. And uh, so from there, I eventually got to where I've always wanted to be, was play with the big boys in wealth management. And, uh, there I, uh, I covered most of West LA all the way up to Malibu, down to Long Beach and, uh, we're a very interesting group. Uh, so unlike your typical broker that's set in a branch, so Lisa, for an example, like yourself, if you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go into my branch today and I want to buy some shares of Alphabet Company, which is Google, uh, there would normally be a broker there and then you'll go and set up an account so forth. Well, I was very different. In my group, we've worked with a very affluent families. So we had about 100 high-network families. And at the time, which was a lot of money, uh, back in the late 90s, We managed close to a billion dollars in assets, and that was a lot of money back then. Today, a billion dollars is thrown around like nothing, but back then was a lot of money. In order to do business with my group, uh, you had to come in with at least a minimum of $5 million. So there, I worked with the 1% of the world, and I learned a lot about uh, wealth, how they accumulate wealth, how they lost wealth, and, and the many problems that come with a Management portfolio like that. Uh, but from there, um, I came to the point, Lisa, where I finally have learned enough, where I felt mm-hmm. confident enough to go start my business. So I met my business partner in Phoenix, his name is Dean Studebaker, he's the COO of the company. And Dean and I went down to Costa Rica back in 2002, uh, so about 15 years ago and I fell in love with the country and decided to open a real estate brokerage. And then within 12 months, we became the number one real estate brokerage in Costa Rica in the country. And then from there, we evolved into a real estate uh, commercial brokerage, uh, which is kind of what Dean specializes in. And what I specialize in is on the private asset management side, basically developing managed portfolios, similar to what you'll find in institutional funds, but we do it on the private level. And so I've been doing that since 2002. And Lisa, I uh, I can't say that I actually have a job because I just love what I do. It's not a job yeah. for me. I work every single day. I fly over 300,000 miles a year oh I live my in goodness. three different continents. But I love my job. I you know, love what I do.
1: That I that I hope everybody really feels that. Um, like I can feel the passion and love from you when you say that. And it's not work. And I think what there's a couple of things that really stood out to me where you're saying is uh, the first one being that your father gave you some terrific, helpful advice is to be around people who are, are making the choices that, where you want to be. And that's why I'm so happy to have you here because I feel like, Great. Now all the listeners can be around you, kind of, for this next hour and learn about this. But also what you had just said, and I, I kind of addressed that in the, in the intro about learning what people have done that was right or and wrong. And I and I, what I mean is to you know be successful and not fail, um, because I think that's where we we can get so scared and not make any decision and not put certain things in in our life and our portfolio because we don't have enough information to make it a, a decision and then. That becomes so scary. And so I I love that you can share with us about how do we even sit back and say, hmm, I think today is the day I'm going to look at real estate, let alone international real estate. Like how does one even get to a a, a place where what you had said, you said, you know, you finally came to a point where you felt you learned enough to step out confidently and move forward. How how does one even know (laughs) how they get there?
2: Well, something interesting happened to me uh, when I was working at this financial institution, and um, the reason why I'm not naming the financial institution is, is uh, the I love that financial institution. I am who I am today because of the training and the wealth of knowledge uh, that they gave me. And I'm not going to name them because they're going they're in the headlines right now as we speak. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the one the one thing that I learned Lisa is that. Uh, if you look at most of the successful people out there, they read anywhere from a book a month to multiple books a month. Yeah. And I'm an avid reader. And I remember uh, when I was working at this institution, I worked there for 13 years, Lisa, and never once I took a vacation. Okay. Uh, I lived in a beautiful area. I lived in Newport Beach. I lived I worked in Washington, the Beach. But I never felt the need to take a vacation because I was on a fast track to become, I, my goal was to be CEO of this company one day or at least president of a region. And one time I was reading this book, uh, it was uh, called, um, well, oh my gosh, I can't, um, Who Moved My Cheese? I oh think my it was, goodness. Um,
1: yes. Oh, I know that book. Oh. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. Was, Who I Ate My by Cheese? Dr. Who Ate My Cheese? Who Ate My Cheese? Yes. 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 I, I forgot. It's one of those thin little uh, business books. Yes. And, and and I and then after reading that, I got into all his series of little uh, micro uh, management books. Mm-hmm. And and the, and when I read the books, it, it just kind of like reflected on what I was doing. Here I am, where I want to be. I have my VP title. I'm in my late 20s, and I'm the youngest person in my group. I, I am easily 10 years younger than anyone else. And I had a cushy job, Lisa. I really. Mm-hmm. Uh, only worked four days a week. I took every Fridays off, uh, and I had a large clientele, and I never had a cold call because all the businesses, I just had to wait by the phone because I had so many branches. And people would say, why would you leave this high six-figure job? Why would you do that? The reason why is, is that when I was looking at uh, the clients that we're managing money for, is that here are these very pedigreed uh, asset managers, hedge fund managers with their, uh, you know, JD, you know, with a JD background. Uh, they could have been an attorney, but decided to go to wealth management instead, or, or, or they would have their, um, you know, their different pedigrees, uh, certifications. And they're sitting down with clients that are worth 50 to hundreds of millions of dollars, giving them advice, financial advice, Lisa but they don't follow them themselves. Complete 100% hypocrite. Here they're telling a client, move money here, move money here. And then when I talk to that individual that's managing that money, that that portfolio manager, and I ask them about their finances, they're in debt. Um, All their paycheck to paycheck goes to their mortgage, goes to their multiple cars, buying nice stuff. And and their portfolio is not even close to the advice that they give. And I'm like, how can I continue to do that? How can I continue to work for a corporation? And this is not just this financial institution. It's basically all money managers. Mm-hmm. How can I be a wealth manager when our sole and only purpose is not really to benefit the client? It's to generate as much fee income as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We're not doing, they, at a time, no one we're doing anything to help the client, you know, uh, protect their assets, grow their assets. All we want to do is put them in product that's going to generate the most amount of fee income, and in turn generate the most amount of what we call trailers, which is uh, which is a, a certain basis points that we make from each portfolio mm-hmm. on a monthly basis. Okay. And that made me sick to my stomach, Lisa, and 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 then I left. I'm so glad that you recognized uh, that. It was, um, you know, the Japanese side of me, the Asian side of me, uh, Japanese people hold a very, very strong honor code. And, and I've always had this uh, very strong Japanese side of me and my Taiwanese side of me is to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm not lying, cheating, and stealing. I have a certain honor code that I have to live up to. And when I don't feel comfortable in selling something, I just can't sell it.
1: See, I was so involved with this conversation. we are going to commercial break and right back in two minutes.
0: The best of the holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio. Humanity Healing International is a small nonprofit with a big dream. Since 2007, HHI has been working tirelessly to bring help to communities with little or no hope. Our projects are not broad mandates, nor are they overnight solutions, but they bring the reassurance that no one is alone and that someone cares. To learn more, please visit humanityhealing.org. Humanity Healing. Is where your heart is. My name is Victor Furman. Some call me The Voice. I've always been fascinated with human nature, spirituality, science, and the crossroads at which they meet. Join me Wednesdays at
1: 8 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio, and we'll explore these topics and so much more on Destination Unlimited.
0: welcome back to the cat show up next we have nico nico is a member of the shelter pet group that's right a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping ball chasing leg rubbing and of course companionship just look how she struts it's actually like owns the place and see how she curls up and cuddles her person The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
1: And we're back and we're speaking with Will Roadhouse and we're talking about asset management, but even more so, we're talking about this terrific story from you, Will, that I was lost. In. I was just gazing while I was listening to you because I think that was so important that you shared that here you are with something that's so important to you, your wealth and where your goals are and how will you reach them financially and otherwise, that when you recognized that as you want to do this for other people, that Certain, certain people in your career weren't doing that and you decided to kick it off on your own to do this. And before we go into that, I want you to finish where you were left off there, but can we share the story about your very first ever house that you sold as well? Can you thread that in there? Cause that's
2: such a great story too. Sure. Sure. So, uh, so wrapping up, what I was saying is that I had to go buy a ton code. I didn't feel comfortable in selling what I was selling. And, and so The one thing I also realized too, Lisa, is with ethical people is here they are, they're geniuses, their work ethic is beyond any other. They're focused and they're driven to succeed. And they create this multi million or multi billion dollar corporation. But then again, Lisa, they know nothing about their money. They leave all the assets to third parties to say, here, manage my money. And and I was like, shocked. I'm like, how is it that you are so intelligent, but you know nothing about your money, what's going? And you have no control over it. Right. And, and that's why I made the change to international real estate. So before I get into international real estate, my passion started, I've always been a salesperson. Uh, I've always been an entrepreneur. I mean, Lisa, when I was junior high, I would go to Price Club at the time before it was Costco, and I would buy candy wholesale, and then I would sell at retail <laughs> at my high school or at my junior oh, high. And, wow. Yes. So I would buy a $0.10 cent Fireball. That not five that would cost me five cents actually, and I'll sell it for twenty five or fifty cents. Uh, nice. and, uh, and I eventually got to the point where almost like I was like a candy drug dealer, so I would buy everything in bulk, and then I would have all these salespeople and I would sell it to them, and then they would sell in retail for the kids.
1: You was like a vending um, machine
2: so I basically was. I had a huge backpack with all these you know all these uh, goodies. so uh, when I was fifteen years old. Uh, my parents have always been into investing in real estate, flipping homes, and so forth. So my parents bought a house, and we were refurbishing it. And right next to our house is a household on sale. So here I am in, in the outside. I'm painting uh, the, uh, the uh, covered roof, uh, the carport. So I'm painting that. And I see this couple uh, with, an, uh, with an agent actually walking in, looking at the house, they, and then and then they came out looking at the front yard, and the agent was still inside. And I went up to them. I said, I said, our house is also on sale or for sale. They're like, really? I said, yeah, come on in. I'll show it to you. <laughs> so I showed them around. Lo and behold, they bought the house. So I sold my first house when I was 15 years old.
1: And you were so proactive. You saw that somebody wanted something, needed something. You had something to sell. You just put the two together, and voila, you were sale. 15.
2: 15 years old, 15 years old, is a for sale by owner. I made a hundred bucks in that transaction. My dad gave me a hundred bucks as a happy man.
1: (laughs) Right?
2: (laughs) I bought a lot more candy from there, too. So, it
1: did. did. Now, that's just like that's specifically a sales thing. Now, did you, when you sold that house um, and felt that you you knew that was your your sale, you did that, is that something that really caught you into real estate then, or was that a fluke, or did you know right away that, that real estate was for you?
2: I've always knew that real estate was for me. Uh, At least I knew at that time, let me correct myself, at least at that time I knew that sales was Mm. basically the professional to get into. And how I got into real estate uh, was when I lived in Orange County. And and then I started, uh, and again, my parents are always buying properties and also generating income. It's something that's very, very driven within Asian culture is that we don't believe in getting loans. We save up enough money. We'll buy homes for cash to generate income, mm-hmm. and and I got into it uh, by uh, buying a few homes, like in Huntington Beach and uh, and in Irvine, and then from there I I started, going outside the country. So how I, so what happened, Lisa, is when Dean and I went to Costa Rica and we saw back in 2002, and we saw the massive money opportunity because number one, it's such, it's so much closer. Uh, it's very close, i say, to the West, and there were just, at that time, a slow trickle of people from Southern California coming, and we saw, like, oh, my God, this place is going to, it's more beautiful than Mexico or any of the parts of Central America. We don't have a standing military. Uh, we have the highest literacy rate of all Latin America, 97%. 97% of the population in Costa Rica knows how to read really and write. That's much more than the United States or most mm-hmm. countries. And I said, this is a gold mine. So we started buying homes there. And and Lisa, the difference between what we do and what we really no other company does what we do. Is that Lisa, let me, let me give you an example. What is the I know you live close to Toronto, so what is the average home price in Toronto?
1: Toronto it's a million, and then I'm just a little inch east, so we'll say half a million, we'll go with five hundred thousand.
2: That is insane. That is shocking how expensive Canada is. Wow. Okay, so let, let's just go with the number of half a million in your backyard. Okay. So, right now in 2017, if someone were to say, hey, you know what? I want to get into this real estate because the Chinese are buying everything and pushing up home prices, and Canada has been skyrocketing, and the real estate market in the United States has coming back in tenfold. So, I don't want to get into this real estate investing business. I don't want to miss the boat like I did in the early 2000s. So, as we know, most Americans and Canadians are very cash poor, unlike Asians, unlike Europeans or, or, or Latins. Americans are just have the highest debt in the world, and they don't have any cash. So in order to buy that home, uh, they would put down as least as possible. Maybe they'll put down 1%, maybe 5% or 10%. So if they're putting down at 10%, of $50,000 they're putting down, and then the rates are low. But most likely, they're probably going to do some sort of, uh, you know, uh, low-cost fixed arm or something like that for a three or five year, ten year. But the bottom line, at least, is this piece of investment that they thought was going to help them in retirement in the future is going to be a pain because here they are. They now have maybe a four, three thousand five hundred or four thousand dollar mortgage payment, but they can only rent out the place for maybe three thousand dollars. So now they have a shortfall of $1,000, not including property taxes and miscellaneous maintenance and and other dues. So they're underwater $1,500 every month on this home that they're hoping that's going to appreciate. That's
1: how we we got in
2: the early 2000s.
1: and, And without going too far past that point, I want to ask you because I have been taught, and people, you know, I hear it a lot about what you just said, leveraging your money. So getting a loan, like it's a good thing to get the mortgage and get it at low interest rate because then as it does appreciate and, and make it, or, you know, make money, um, that we've done it on borrowed money versus our own. Whereas I'm hearing now kind of under that tone that you're saying, oh, you know, it's doing it with cash is actually the way to go. So I, I might, I, yeah, if you could share with us the difference there.
2: Here's the one. Very, very extremely, and I hope everyone that's tuning in, you, you crank up the radio, press the volume. <laughs> this is the one most important thing that I learned from wealthy individuals when I sat down there, established a personal relationship with them, and talked about their finances. Is that everybody thinks when they're doing well, the money is just going to keep pouring in. Just like it did during the dot com boom, the money is just going to keep pouring in, keep coming in. Then there's a real estate boom in the early 2000s, and they keep coming in, keep coming in. But nobody ever foresees the day that the well runs dry. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody does. Because what happens is high tech towards 2020 is that like, they don't think about it ever stopping. This money just keeps coming in. They keep buying and buying and buying, and all of a sudden they lose everything, like what we saw with 2007, the real estate crash. So USA, I am not a believer. I feel that all those books, all those authors that have written about leveraging money, they're authors. They're not investors. And, and, if, and if anything, they're full time investors, where the people that are reading this stuff are part time investors. They have a full time job. They don't have eight hours in a day looking at real estate, analyzing real estate, or their portfolio. they don't have time to do that. So, Lisa, my best advice to everyone, which is the average investor that has a full-time job, that can't do investing full-time, you do not want to leverage your money because you never know what's going to happen in the economy in the future. You don't know life event changes. Maybe you may get sick. You may get disabled. Uh, you go through a divorce. Your company goes through embezzlement. Your, uh, something happens where you lose everything. So, Lisa, what I say is put the minimum 50% down, but even better yet, When you pay cash for properties, you don't have to worry about a future mortgage, and you have consistent income that's coming in on a tangible asset. You can touch it and feel it and control it.
1: Mm. See, that's that's important. I think a lot of people right now who might be have a mortgage, you know, or have they've already they're already in that situation. and they're trying to wrap their heads around, okay, this is what I've done. And I know that you have, like, we're going to talk about international real estate where it makes it a little easy, like, well, it makes it possible, I guess is the better word to say. It makes it possible to, um, to, What? how does, okay, actually, no, I'm going to gather my words here. When I was saying about making it possible is because if right now here, I, I don't have $500,000 laying around that I could go buy property, but what you're going to share with us is that, you don't need that much when you do it in an international way.
2: Yes. So before I get into international real estate, the one thing I love about emerging companies and what emerging company, uh, countries are, are countries that are in that classified as a third or second world country. So right. places like in Latin America, places like in Southeast Asia, you know, countries like Costa Rica, Panama, countries like Thailand or Philippines or Vietnam, these are all emerging countries. And if you look at first world countries, which are the United States, the Canada, uh, UK, Australia, uh, France, uh, these are first world developed countries. So first world developed countries, we pretty much reach our pinnacle. So look, look at the United States. We're reached in the top, and everyone is seeing the dollar being uh, retracting, uh, and it's not a good thing. But when you look at a, a third world country, it has the potential of being a second world country whereas a second world country has a potential of becoming a first world developed country. So I always love investing and buying and also living in emerging countries. In emerging countries, unlike places in Canada, like in your backyard, where it costs a half a million dollars to buy a piece of property, we can go into emerging countries in neighborhoods that are up and coming, which is another thing that I love. I don't like to buy the most expensive real estate in the city. I like to be in a border of an up-and-coming city or area within a city, and the price point to get in is a fraction of what it is in North America or the UK. That's why I love emerging countries.
1: I love that you gave us the definition of that. And, and also, I, I had to think about you buying those candies at $0.05 cents because in, in your budget, and your wealth asset management back then, you could afford a $0.05 cent candy as opposed to you going to buying a dollar chocolate bar, you know, kind of thing. You started where you could afford it for cash to make a profit. Um, and you also just remind us, we're going to go to commercial here right now, but then when we do come back, we'll expand on that.
0: of Holistic, Spiritual, and Conscious World. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com
1: Grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine and tune in for inspired conversations with publisher Linda Joy on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Linda creates sacred space for leading female luminaries, empowering authors, heart-centered female entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers. A soulful venue where guests... Openly share the fears and obstacles they've overcome, wisdom and lessons learned, and the personal journey that led them to the transformational work they do in the world. Inspired conversations to empower you on your path to authentic,
2: soulful living.
1: So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, tap, tap. Bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg roll showed up. Like
0: magic. Humans have cool toys. A
1: person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. and we're speaking with Will Roadhouse. And, Will, just before we uh, went to commercial, I was reminded of a statement. I forget when I learned this. I was probably going to invest in something talking to my dad, and he said to me, Lisa, if you can't afford to lose it, you can't afford to invest it. Um, What do you think about that statement first? Does that that resonate with you?
2: It doesn't, and I don't like that saying. is because you should never be afford to lose anything, never. What's the, what's the point? That's called gambling. That's not called investing. And a oh. lot of people have a misconception of investing as their gamblers. Because okay. gambling, yes, you go to Vegas, you go to Singapore, you go to Macau, you go to anywhere that has legalized gaming, yes, you, you have to assume that you're going to lose the money. Gotcha. But when you're investing your hard-earned money, you should never, ever have that mindset. Like wow. right now with this whole digital currency, with this whole digital currency craze of buying Ethereum and buying Bitcoin, everyone's jumping on the craze. But the thing is, is that I am very conservative, and i would rather have something that I know that's tangible, I can touch it, feel it, like real estate. I can control, like real estate, and I generate income, like real estate, and that has future for appreciation. Because let's think about this, Lisa. The main things about human beings to survive here on Earth is, number one, we need air. We need oxygen. Number two, we need food and water. And number three, we need shelter. Mm. So, Lisa, do you foresee any time in the future where people are going to stop having babies? Right. not going to happen, is it? No. So that's why I love real estate. Because quite honestly, Lisa, as much as I love Facebook, we don't need it. Do we really need Twitter? Do we need Snapchat? Do we really need Uber? No, we have taxis. Do we need Airbnb? No, we have hotels. Mm-hmm. But you need shelter. Everybody gotcha. needs shelter. That's and not to I'm say that,
1: interested. not to say that you can't make money in those things at times. But you can't. You don't have that certainty. Oh, like you had got you. You've coined a term yourself as Plan Z, like that that plan. So yes, you could make money in some of those other things. There's opportunities. However, there's always the what if. And what I had just kind of brought up, like, yes. I, what if I lost it? And, and that certainly happened. When you were talking to me about Plan Z, describe it in your words, what the Plan Z is.
2: So when I was in asset management, uh, the one thing about sitting our clients is we always ask them and try to analyze what was their uh, tolerance for risk. And, it did, and then based on that, we would either put them in fixed income, which is a lot of, uh, you know, bonds, or put them in – Uh, in equities, which is stocks, or put them in a hedge fund or so forth is more aggressive. But we would assess their tolerance for risk. But the other thing, too, Lisa, is that when you look at a typical asset management or you look at a typical investor, they have a plan A, and their plan A is usually their main source of income, so whether it's a full-time job or their business. And then their plan B is their investments, there's a lot of people that actually don't realize their home is an investment, but they think of the investment as more as stocks and bonds. So it's whatever they're putting to that mutual fund or whatever stocks they're buying on a monthly basis, investing a 401K. So that's their plan B. Mm-hmm. And their plan C is maybe, if people have a plan C, is to have income-generating real estate. But that's it. And the one thing I always realized, Lisa, is that Asset managers and financial institutions never, ever help you plan a plan C or a plan B. They just want you to put you into these products that's going ge- to generate mm-hmm. income for them on a monthly basis. So what I realized is, is that here are my wealthy individuals that have shared stories with me, Lisa, that they build wealth, lost it, build wealth, lost it, build wealth, lost it. And I always ask myself is, here are these intelligent, hardworking individuals Why did they have to lose it so many times? Why did they even have to lose it one time? If you look at the majority of individuals that have made a million dollars or more, more than 90% have lost it all and have never made it again. So that's why I came up with the Plan Z. The Plan Z is totally in the opposite end of the spectrum, and it's assets that's invested overseas in tangible real estate that you own 100%. So we are not investing in countries that you are – buying into a lease like Mexico, you don't like those kinds of pieces of property, and you own it 100% as it's deeded to you, like buying a piece of real estate in the United States or in Canada or in the UK as a citizen. And these assets generate income, and they appreciate higher than they do domestic real estate over the long run, because there are more, did you know there are more children being born in second and third world countries and first world countries. Actually, in first world countries, we are going through a negative birth rate. People don't yeah. want to have kids yeah. in Japan, yeah. and United States and Canada. Second and third world countries, they're pumping them out like no tomorrow. Right. So what does that mean is that when you see wealth that's generating, like in Asia, which is the most affluent area region in the world now, where people are have lots of children and they're making lots of money because of the manufacturing is going to them. What's next? They're not piling three to four families in one household. People are buying their own homes now. They want their own condos. That's why what we do on the Plan Z side ensures income, ensures security over any other assets that they may have.
1: And that, that actually, now when you spoke to us about um, emerging Worlds, third and second, that's where this is important to see those trends, see how they're growing their own way and how we can be involved with that. Now, I don't know if you want to jump into the international part of this now, of saying, you know, if somebody is in North America, uh, should we just simply go over and buy a piece of land over there? Do we develop it? Do we buy a house? Like, how does that all work? How do we even start looking?
2: The problem is, is that uh, more so Americans than Canadians or uh, individuals in, in the UK, Americans are very, very afraid of going anywhere outside of the country, even outside of the state. And yeah. You have individuals that live in the West Coast that have never visited the East Coast and vice versa, wow. and because they live a very sheltered life. But international real estate does not have to be difficult, it's actually quite simple. But the thing is, it can be intricate is, is you don't just go and go buy anything. Is that, Lisa, is that with the background of myself and, and our COO, Dean Studebaker, and our, and, and our, and our consultants, unlike other, should I say, real estate brokers that specialize in one geographic zip code. So when you look at international brokers, they may have a traditional standalone brand or office, but it's in... very specific area in Costa Rica like Hakko or like in uh, Playa del Coco Costa Rica or a certain part of Bangkok and maybe the Ekamai area but they don't focus on anywhere outside of that Mm -hmm. where our staff first of all what's very interesting is we're all single well we have girlfriends but for the most part is is that we're not tied down we're not married we don't have children so we have the freedom and the time to pick up on a snap, at a, in a, at a snap and then go to the new emerging market and research it. So unlike where you see most analysts, they're just reading articles on like, oh, I'm gonna read about Bangkok. I'm gonna read about uh, Ho Chi Minh City. I'm gonna read about Myanmar. We actually go to these countries, Lisa. So when we go to these countries, like for example, like going to Costa Rica, we go there, we go there for months and we research every single developer. So Lisa, we're not buying properties from developers that are first-time developers. No, we don't like that because they make mistakes. We always buy from very well-established developers. We look at the prior prior developments, we look at the construction quality. But here's the other thing too, Lisa, is that we make sure that number one, the developers building the code and that they own the land that they're building on. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that one more time. That the developers own the land they're building on. Because Lisa, there's been too many horror stories of what people. It people from buying overseas where they're buying property and they own the the hard structure that's on top of the land and they don't realize, oh, my God, we don't even own this land. Someone else owns it. We didn't know that. They got scammed. So is that a a question that they would just – if they
1: weren't in, you know, communication with you, let's say, and if they went there, how can they assure that when they're even talking to um, the developers, if they do own the land? I mean, that would be true. Is Is that hard to obtain that certificate or proof?
2: It all depends on which country you're at. For example, like in Costa Rica, uh, you would have to go to a government office and you would have to uh, get the parcel number, and then you would have to go to government office and, and, and verify that. And, and so there are many steps to that, and it's something that our staff does. And, but they can do that, and they, and, and they can do that in any country.
1: Okay. Now you mentioned some v- your videos. You, you go and you you and Dean go down and you travel and you research and you talk and you. But you've actually done quite a few videos. Um, I was wondering, can you share with us where somebody could go and see those videos?
2: Sure. Uh, so I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, but Dean and I, uh, we were on House Hunters, so HGTV's House Hunters International from 2004 yeah. to 2012. Okay. Uh, so you might have seen us in the shows in Central Mail and the shows in PG. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so we also own a production company. So the one thing that uh, that we do is we want to provide resources for everyone. Even though we work with very high net worth individuals, but we want to provide resources for individuals that can't go and, and buy uh, these portfolios or buy these commercial pieces of real estate or developers. So we provide free resources on how they can also invest and how they can educate themselves on the benefits of investing in international real estate. Yes. So the best resources are, there's three of them. So they want to watch our videos, you can go to YouTube, just type up Will Roadhouse, okay. and you'll see the Compass TV network. So we have a lot of videos there. Uh, and then if you want to listen to podcasts, uh, head to our podcast on SoundCloud. So when you go to soundcloud.com, just download the app, whether it's iOS or Android, and type up Will Roadhouse, W-I-L-L-R-O-A-D-H-O-U-S-E, just like the movie, and you'll see our channel. So right now, Lisa, we have close to 200 episodes wow. that deals anything from living abroad to working to investing, whatever it may be overseas. We have tons of resources that's free for everyone. And the very last part is I strongly urge everyone uh, to head over to our Facebook fan page. I have one myself, the personal, which is World Road House, but our company fan page. Uh, You just type up Compass Group International, uh, they can find our fan page. and, And, again, tons of resources there, too.
1: Okay, I think that's a tremendous help for a lot of people, especially when you have 200 episodes. But the video, you've got, you've actually kind of covered it all. You've got the YouTubes where I you can visually see both you, you know, well, you and and Dean and, and meet you guys, kind of, sort of. Um, and then you've got this, you know, the information that you're going to be sharing on the podcast. And then to have that Facebook fan page, I think really allows that interaction between everybody because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions. I, there's so many in my head that, you know, you went through. But the same thing is I want everybody to really hear that how possible this is if i'm listening to you and you've you've been doing this for i don't know how many people have done this through you but um this has happened this is possible and i want everybody to know that there's a way to do this and it might sound a little different at first and scary but you really do address all the the concerns the questions the fears the the uncertainties and when we come back we shall further that more
0: Connecting you with the best of the conscious minds in the world. OM Times Radio. IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of OM Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of OM Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community.
1: 24 million Americans have an autoimmune disorder and that number continues to grow. I'm Sharon Saylor and I'm one of those 24 million. To put that number in perspective, cancer affects about 9 million and heart disease up to 22 million. That's why I've brought together top experts and those thriving regardless of their diagnosis to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information. Join me, Sharon Saylor, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern for the Autoimmune Hour on Life Interrupted Radio to find out how to live your life uninterrupted. Me, a cat moving in with a new human. It took a little getting used to. She has these weird games she likes to play, like this giant feather. She sticks it in my face, I swat it away. She sticks it in my face, I swat it away. It's almost like she thinks I enjoy it. But seeing how much fun she gets out of it, well, I guess it makes it all worth it. Humans. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Back with Will Roadhouse. Um, Will, I have to ask you something. When you're talking about internet, uh, internet international real estate, the biggest guy would want to find out, Are we? Would one add a piece of real estate in their portfolio to rent this out and be landlords, or would they be doing this for their own primary house and living abroad? Like, why? What would be the best purpose of having that in the portfolio?
2: Very good question. And. I have uh, pretty much uh, three different types of clients, so I want to mention one thing really quickly is when you look at our videos and you go to our podcast uh, shows, I just want to apologize to everyone in advance. You may Some may find the, the language to be offensive. We do curse, and I, I just want to assure everyone, we're changing the format because in the past, you know, there were so many studies saying that, oh, if you look at people, you know, some of the top gurus, the, you know, they curse because it makes, makes them more real. I no longer believe that. Uh, I, I no longer believe that. I'm an intelligent person, so is Dean, and we can certainly choose better words. So I just want to assure everyone that our videos, our podcast shows in the future, uh, we may have it slip every once in a while, but we will make sure we make an effort of not cursing. So you cleaned it up a little. A
1: little. Oh, well, that was a very nice. Thank you for sharing that. And you're very pleasant to speak with, and we can all clearly see your your intention and, and that coming right through. So, yes, thank you for, for sharing that with thank us. Nice.
2: So back to Sorry. what you were saying is uh, I have three different types of clients, and our clients, our minimum portfolio is a million dollars in cash. And so we have – and a lot of our clients are, are ex-athletes, our current pro athletes. Uh, we work with some people in entertainment. Uh, The majority of the people uh, that are clients of ours are business owners. So the one thing is I want to let everyone know is that as much as I uh, was knocking on stocks, which I was trying not to knock on equities, which is stocks, is that if you already have equities, keep it. Keep it. All I'm asking is now switch it to international real estate. So with our current clientele, uh, we have one kind that basically wants to do a true plan Z. is they're a business owner, they have a huge equity uh, and, and fixed income portfolio. Uh, they have a, a thriving business, but they want to have other assets in top emerging markets. So what we do is, I'll just give you an example. A million dollars, Lisa, in your backyard, buys you two homes. A right. million dollars in Thailand, I can buy you 10 or 20 condos. Oof. Uh, and there are a mix of condos in the big city like Bangkok or down to the beach within walking distance. In a place like Costa Rica, we could buy you four to five homes uh, in the beach cities. So it just goes to show uh, how much more we can buy. And then in, the, in addition to that is these portfolios generate income. So number one is that we ensure, like I said, as we vetted the developers and, and if we're buying uh, resales, these are these are sound homes and condos. And most of the time there is onsite property management. So Lisa, how many times have you in the past or people you know of in the past that have a portfolio of property and they're managing their own property and it's taking up too much time because they have to evict people. I mean, I myself have lost tens of thousands of dollars in my beach properties in Huntington Beach from, from horrible tenants and I hated, you know, it took up too much time. Or property managers that aren't doing the proper work for you, they're putting bad tenants, they destroy your home, they're taking too much in income or charging too much in fees, or your house is just sitting because they have tons of other clients. Well, especially in Thailand, each building has on-site property management that has a website. They use Airbnb and all these other websites to generate uh, more people, more eyes to come and occupy your properties. And here's the great thing, Lisa, is that all the properties are short-term vacation renters that are renting from a week to two weeks. So you don't have the problems of long-term renters that are deadbeats, and, and you have to kick them out, and you're losing one or two or five months of rent. Mm-hmm. And also, in overseas, unlike the United States and maybe Canada, where they're protecting these, uh, these bad tenants, so it takes three to five months to evict them, We're overseas, they call the cops, they shut down the power, out they go. <laughs> it's that simple. It's that simple.
1: So would you recommend that anybody does live in their own, um, you know, international real estate property, or is, it, uh, is this always kind of meant to be as a rental?
2: Very good question. That comes to my client number two. Uh-huh. So client number two is more like a extremely wealthy uh, individual or, or family, and they just want to have homes all over the world. But, they, but they're not there full time, so they still want to generate income. So let's just say, Lisa, someone like yourself, that you have $2 million that you want to invest. And you say, and you say well, Dean, uh, I have a big family, and I want to have a home in Costa Rica. I want to have a home in Thailand. I want a home in southern France, and I want a home in, in Spain. And so what we're going to do, Lisa, is we're going to buy, let's just make numbers easy, buy four half-million-dollar homes in those four different countries, uh, furnish them for you, obviously, with your funds, and then we will put an onsite management, and then we'll put all the tools in place. And so the property is rented as short-term renters rentals when you're not there, but when you're there, you're free to use it. Mm. And that is our client number two. Okay. Is there client number three that I didn't ask about? Yes, and then our client number three is, is uh, plays in a whole, whole another level. Uh, so these are clientele uh, that are looking so that they need a lot of money and they want to really generate a business overseas. And, uh, and many individuals have maybe never developed a single piece of real estate in the past. So these individuals will be coming in with anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30 to $50 million and they will say, well, Dean, I want to buy or own a hotel or build a hotel, mm. or I want to uh, build a, uh, a residential community and I want to resell it, or and or I want to do both. So these are more high-network individuals. Uh, Dean works with a lot of these commercial, uh, commercial clients. We're working with one that's looking to uh, build a hotel. We're working with another one that's looking to build... Yeah, you know, Wellness Resort, and, and Lisa, mm. it's anywhere in the world. What well, these mm. clients tell us, so the one thing that's very, very unique with us is because we live in a country that we work in, so I don't always like to rely on numbers because numbers numbers can be easily faked. They can be lied. If I like to be on ground, walking around, figuring out what's going on. So we went to Costa Rica back in 2002 before anyone else did. We, we were going to Thailand years ago before anyone else did. And, and so we're always, Lisa, three to five years ahead of everyone else. So right now, we still love Central America, but we love Southeast Asia even more. And so even further, we're already starting to do our research is that if this Brexit really happens, whether it does or not, we feel that Europe is going to be the next bottom-up destination that everyone should be buying in, countries like Spain, Greece, France, Italy, uh, Portugal, all these beautiful, beautiful countries uh, that are now going to be attainable because they're going to bottom out. You know, so we're so, always many, many years ahead of everyone else.
1: I, you know, that is extremely helpful, and I'll tell you why, because I have a question. I think that it would be amazing for me to even hear this answer. But when you say you're a couple of years ahead, very helpful in the sense that you – you're watching, you're witnessing and really experiencing how the entire market of that country is changing. How does one, let's say that they did, they've already purchased it, how do they sell it? Do you sell it for them? Do you help them to sell it? Um, do you give your clients heads up on, you know what, things are switching. You know, we've moved from, you know, Central America over Central Asia. Like, how are you able to help your those clients figure that out?
2: Yes. So unlike your typical other real estate agents or brokers that will maybe hit up their clients because they just need more business, say, hey, you know what, the the market's doing good, it's time to sell, or the market's bottoming out, it's time to buy, where we treat every single client like it's a true managed portfolio in a major institution. Mm -hmm. So they get reports every single quarter or every single month, as frequent, as less as they want. And then they will see these reports, and then we will make our recommendations. Whether saying, okay, so for example, someone like yourself, Lisa, so let's say you have properties in Costa Rica and Panama, and you have properties in Singapore. And here's another thing too. When I say crystal ball, Lisa, we were buying properties for people in Singapore about five to seven years ago. A two-bedroom, two-bath condo back then was maybe about two hundred thousand dollars. Those same two-bedroom, two-bath condos are now closer to a million dollars. Oh my! And then God. now Singapore has retracted. Uh, and it's, it's gone back by 25%, uh, and, and it's a good time to buy. Singapore is the most expensive country, one of the most affluent countries in the world. It's, uh, it's more expensive to live in Singapore than there's in New York City or Paris.
1: Oh, wow. And they have yeah. terrific food, I hear, actually.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. It's an amazing country. And
1: a beautiful so,
2: airport. So these, oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I can go on about that airport. I, I, I don't mind doing eight- to ten-hour layovers because I'm there at the pool, hanging out, watching a movie, getting some drinks, eating. Garden. Oh, it's, it's a, it's, there's a reason why it is the number one airport in the world.
1: Yes. yes. I had to but, share that with the listeners because, yes, people have to understand. There's a beauty in this as well. Like having international real estate, It. it yes, of course, it's about wealth. It's about money. But there is an experience to it. There's a beauty to it. There's um, an excitement to it.
2: Yes, there is. Uh, what I like to tell people is, is that being wealthy is not just about having money. It's also about uh, making sure that you're, you have self-confidence and that you love yourself and you're around people. You're, you're around a good environment. And that's one thing that I've learned. That's one thing that I learned. Um, my little brother just recently passed away. And, uh, and that's the one thing that I learned from him is that um, he got disabled because he got hit by a drunk driver and he wasn't able to, he was a pre-med student in college. And over the 22 years, you know, of having seizures, he wasn't able to work a drive. But mm. what one was able to do to make life beautiful was to make sure that he's happy and his surroundings are happy. That means us, doing the little things. So when I tell people about being wealthy, yes, money certainly gives you freedom, but if you spend it the wrong way, and I say this a lot to our entertainment and to our to our pro athletes is that here you've done so well in being in the NFL and you've done so well being entertaining, you made so much money, you made great decisions, and you have excellent work ethic. So why are you surrounding yourself around leeches and bad people?
1: Well, I'm so sorry. That was an absolutely beautiful way to end it. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Will Roadhouse, Compass Group International, and thank you so much for just sharing this hour with us. It's been a tremendous tremendous show.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much, Lisa, and I'll talk to you
1: soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.